there are people all across our city that are doing this work every single day and doing a phenomenal job with it, that are trying innovative things, that are changing, that are challenging the system. There are parts of the system, Sam, that work really well, and there are parts of the system that don't. I don't want us to get caught in a place where we think that everything is broken because it's not. There's a lot of good. Hey, everybody. This is Driven By with Sam Coates. On this podcast, you're going to hear people that see a need and they do something about it. You're going to hear what drives them, lessons learned along the way, how they built it, and how things are evolving yet still today. It is great to have you on the show. For more information, go to podcast.sampcoats.com. That's podcast.sampcoats.com and subscribe to our weekly email list and check out my show on Twitter, Instagram at Sam P. Coates. This show can be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts at Driven By with Sam Coates. If you like the show, please spread the word, tell a friend, and leave a review and check out previously recorded episodes. I hope you have a great day. As we learned last week, educational inequality is a major problem today. Last week's episode covered what it takes to make a positive impact on this problem. When you think about childhood education, you also understand the importance of the child's development as a person. Teachers are crucial in how this happens, and this work is more than just teaching curriculum. This week, I'm releasing the second part to this series with Larissa Gregory. Larissa is over social-emotional learning for MTR and is trained in educational psychology and much more. Enjoy this conversation, learning more about educational inequality, getting to the root of what a child needs, and why teacher burnout is so high. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and also think about how this applies to where we're at today as a society. Hey, everybody. I'll just make this easy. Do you need insurance? Do you want another opinion about your insurance? Just go ahead and call Matt Haga with State Farm. It'll be easy. If you're thinking about it, just do it. We do have listeners to this show from all over the world, so this offers only for listeners in the state of Tennessee and Mississippi in the United States. Matt Haga State Farm offers auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance. Go to MattHaga.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-A-A-G-A.com. And contact them. When you contact Matt, tell him I sent you. Now more than ever, it is harder to fly. That's why you need to know of AB Jets. If you want to be efficient with your time and fly with one of the safest private air companies in the world, then you need to use AB Jets. AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. AB Jets is one of the largest Lear 60 jet companies in the United States with nonstop access to most destinations around the U.S. Efficient, clean, and easy to work with, AB Jets is an experience that gets you where you need to go on time and with no hassle. Go to abjets.com for more information and book your trip today or call them at 888-520-JETS. That's J-E-T-S. Now we're going to get back to the show. 
Larissa and I begin this episode talking about cognitive behavior and how this applies to learning and education. In case you don't know, cognitive behavior is a practice in psychology that helps someone learn and grow from stressful life situations. If you had to say one to 10 over the last 20 years, how has the U.S. public education system for grade school and high school, how would you give their score on implementing cognitive behavior into the system with the educators, the leadership, and then also the students? Oh, gosh, Sam, that's a hard question. And I'd I'd say that it's hard to rate because it's been something that hasn't really been at the forefront until recently. I think it's taken COVID-19 and the civil unrest that we've been experiencing as a country for systems to pause and think maybe we should be trying or doing some things differently. I've been in education and in counseling for a little bit over 10 years total. And when I first came to the profession, it was something that was more farmed out, if you will, to like outside agencies versus being something that was internal as something that like a school or school leader would own. So I would say like that portion of it, Sam, is more recent. And I would say more recent for like whole systems. So like schools and districts, maybe policymakers. Now there's people that have been on the ground in classrooms, in schools, in neighborhoods that know the power of cognitive behavioral therapy or that know and understand the power of social emotional learning um, and have known that for a while, but have been silenced, if you will, that that's not the best way to go about things. Mm. I think, you know, within the circle of professionals that I uh, lean on and collaborate with, It's something that we've believed to be true for a very long time, but it hasn't always been seen that way. And so now things that we've been saying or things that we've been doing that we've thought were right, fair, and just for kids, now people are saying, oh, maybe there's something to this. Because when you go through trauma, when you go through a crisis, it really leaves you in this vulnerable place of not knowing what's going to come next or what to do next. And we collectively, um, as an education system, are in that space together right now to where none of us really know what's coming next. And so we're having to lean on the thoughts of those who have been pushing social emotional health, who have been pushing restorative practices, who have been pushing crisis, nonviolent intervention. And now those pushes are actually being listened to. So to rate that, That's a hard one for me, but I would say that it's something that hasn't been listened to in the past collectively, and now a lot of people's ears are open to the conversation in a new way because of what we've gone through. What you're saying is when you started 10 years ago, people just outsourced it, or they'd bring in consultants and say, everybody get in in this room here. We're going to learn some stuff. This is going to be good for the organization. All right, now time's up. Let's go back and we're going to keep operating the same way. And now what you're saying, there's more of an awareness or an endorsement to actually try to create more buy-in from the people directly involved with the organization to to actually implement cognitive behavior and the value of it. 
Yeah, I think that's very well put and very well said. There's this idea that maybe we should be integrating some new practices or some different practices because what we're doing is not working. And a lot of the things that have been done with and for kids, specifically around discipline, it hasn't been working. Kids continue to be suspended. Teachers continue to be frustrated in the classroom because they're seeing behaviors over and over again. And so schools are starting to think through what can we do differently for kids? What can we do differently for teachers? What can we do differently for parents? And I really think um, and have come to believe by experience in being studied in it that social, emotional health and learning for all stakeholders has to be priority for some things to change in our school systems and in our schools. Earlier, you talked about how depending on the zip code you live in as to the quality of the education that you get. Can you elaborate on what are the things that you feel like people that live in the right zip codes, what, what are the things that they get with that school or the teachers get from the organization? What do they get that people in other zip codes don't get? Yeah. And I want to name and just clarify just a little bit. There are some great educators. There are great educators in some of the most under-resourced neighborhoods in our city. And so the quality of education may be very high because those individuals are there and they're doing the work, but the resources that are available to those individuals may be different or are presumably different than someone who lives in a different zip code that has higher taxes, right? Taxes fund schools. And if you live in a zip code where the taxes are higher than your school is receiving more dollars per child, receiving more dollars for resources than maybe a different zip code down the street. And so what that looks like, you know, we're seeing a lot of that right now when it comes to what distance learning or in-person learning is able to offer students, like the digital divide is happening Students having access to computers or not having access to computers, students having access to Wi-Fi, reliable Wi-Fi versus not having reliable Wi-Fi. I think that's a good, like, concrete example um, that's reflective of the times. So from a granular standpoint, with resources for me to understand, because I'm not an educator, are you talking about things like books, things like the student to teacher ratio, things like the quality of the teacher and their desire and interest to want to invest in that student for them to flourish? Are you talking about like the air conditioning for the student? Are you talking about the food, the meals that the student eats? Are you talking about the ability for that student to get to school, either from his parents or from the transportation? Are those the resources that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, Sam, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head right there. Like all of those things can or have the potential to make or break the experience for the teacher and has the ability or potential to make and break the experience for the child. I mean, just the inequities that exist from school to school, from zip code to zip code, and you broke those down so well. Um, just think about it. If you are riding into school on a super packed bus, if you didn't have access to a nutritional breakfast that morning, if you're going into a classroom where the air conditioning's not working, where there may be some type of like a pest problem, where resources are low, 
in regards to like what you tangibly have access to in your classroom if your teacher isn't getting the support that they need so that they can sustain continually giving you great academic instruction, even if they are a great instructor, like these things impact kids. And those factors, right, have a huge impact on the potential trajectory of a child. And if we could take a step back and look at the holistic journey of a child and really begin to look at where those inequities are and what some potential solutions are to those inequities, then we would not only see kids flourish, but we would see all kids flourish. And that's not what we're experiencing right now. That's the hope one day. That's the hope that I have. That's a hope that a lot of educators that I I know hold every day. But right now, it's just an anticipated hope. It's not something that we're necessarily seeing on a grand scale. Yeah, some interesting statistics that I've seen. This is from The Observer, but the United States American students kind of rank in the middle of the pack internationally, just regarding testing and, and how they compare. But the wealth gap, United States is number seven, with a GDP per capita of close to 65000 but the income equality in the United States is highest among all the G7 nations. And the statistics with how quickly the upper class is growing compared to the stagnation of the middle class and just how the wealth gap is continuing to increase. So I think even just from these basic statistics, it's very clear and understandable on just taxation and how it affects our school systems and then how people move or how they can be intentional about certain people, what school systems they get into or what private schools they go to. And then, but when you break it down, the resource standpoint on what the child actually needs or what the teacher actually needs, it's easy to connect all the dots. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how often we pause to take a step back and just to see what's going on around us. You can drive through the city of Memphis and see very clearly where wealth starts and where where assumed wealth, I'll say that, starts and where assumed poverty begins. And the same way that you can drive down a street and see that, I would hope that people would begin to connect that to the potential opportunities that are available to the kids that that live there and like what are the differences and how can we proactively anticipate what students will need and when we pause to think about the things that we can do from a proactive standpoint that's when we're able to get a little bit ahead in the game like when we can think through what will a teacher need today what will a child need today What will a district leader or a school leader need today to be successful? Pausing is really, really hard, especially when we're seeking solutions. But when you pause, you're able to see more because you're able to really listen. And I'm hopeful that people will continue to pause and just see that there's a need and then ask themselves what they can do to help be a part. 
Yeah, I think through my conversation with you and all the things that you've shared, it's easy to see what you're saying with how this style of communication and this style of behavior can truly create impact and change. Because if a school system's under-resourced and certain things and processes and systems are arguably ineffective, and I'm not saying they're not, I'm I'm just trying to be as unbiased as I can. Mm -hmm. But then you have a a community, an organization where people know their why. You talked about that earlier in the episode, where they know why they're there and the impact they're trying to create. And then that energy and that desire through the good days and through the bad days is communicated. And then school systems teams are working together and then they're able to make adjustments and they're able to challenge traditional ways of thinking that arguably have minimal or negative impact, Yeah. then to me, this seems like a, a really clear way to actually continue to create change and impact because the argument is, you know, education is underfunded. And just from based off of the things that you shared, that's the case in a lot of ways. But if you just throw more money at it, that's not necessarily the complete solution. But if you have engagement, alignment, analysis, continuous progress, and more resources, arguably, then that's going to create the most maximum amount of impact. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like we have to be willing to challenge tradition. We have to be willing to say like, this is not working. When we look at achievement, when we look at test scores, which is how students are measured in achievement, and that's a whole different conversation. But when we look at those, when we look at discipline numbers, when we look at college admission rates, you know, all these different things, if they don't look the way that we desire for them to look for kids, then we have to look at what we're doing. And like I said before, like this is the time, in my opinion, to change some things up. A lot of things have changed that none of us could have ever anticipated being in front of us. And so given this opportunity, why not shake the table a little bit more and see what else we can do that just makes more sense, that would bring about greater purpose, that would bring about a greater impact to change things quicker and to do what's right, fair, and just for kids, students, families, teachers, and our community. Do you want to make efficient use with your time? Now more than ever, traveling hassle-free is harder to find. AB Jets is one of the safest private air companies in the world with impeccable service, with nonstop access to most destinations around the USA. AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. Bypass the hassle and get an AB Jets jet card that gets you 10 or 25 hour flight options that makes your experience hassle-free. AB Jets carries up to eight passengers and is one of the largest Lear 60 operators in the U.S. Go to abjets.com for more information or call them at 888-520-JETS, that's J-E-T-S, to travel on your own terms. Generations before us, men and women and children had to deal you know, with the Great Depression or had to deal with World War II, racial tension that still goes on today, these things that have existed for a long time, or the Vietnam War, et cetera, like with a draft where you didn't have a choice, you had to just go. 
How would you frame it or how would you respond to somebody that says organizations, business, nonprofit, et cetera, there's goals, there's objectives, and we need to hit those and respect authority, do your job, et cetera, and just kind of keep pushing towards where there's not much of an emphasis on awareness, self-care, feelings, et cetera. How would you answer that or how would you debate that with the value of cognitive behavior, of emotions, of learning, of our own needs, et cetera? Yeah. Pushing through, Sam, has gotten us to a place as a nation where mental health is at the highest that we've ever seen in regards to suicide and burnout, compassion fatigue, anxiety is at an all-time high, chronic trauma, acute trauma is at an all-time high. And if we as a society continue to just push past those things, we are not seeking what's in the best interest of each other. And, you know, we, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, we really live at times in an individualistic society that doesn't give consideration to the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of other people. And it's going to take those who are tired of that. It's going to take those who know differently and or want to do differently to stand up and say something, to draw those boundaries and say, this is not okay. And I'm one of those people that I I don't think it's okay. The way that we push past or gloss over or try to hold in what we're truly feeling, um, what we're truly experiencing. There are a number of people that we walk by on a daily basis that are holding more than we could ever imagine. And giving people a safe space to be able to experience those things, to be able to name those things, or just to feel like they are known, seen, and heard unlocks a portion of their brain that makes them feel comfortable, that makes them feel understood, that allows them, whether you're a student, whether you are a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you're a community member, it allows you to do what you do best. And we're not giving people a fair shot of being able to do their best if we continue to gloss over just human needs. And so my argument would be slow down. Slow down and see the humanity in front of you. Slow down and see the needs of the people around you. Slow down and see your own needs so that you can effectively and efficiently serve and support other individuals around you. Yeah, so I feel like what you're also sharing is part of cognitive behavior and your studies and expertise in this area. It really is rooted out of not just metrics like growing suicide rate and other things that you mentioned, but then also the science behind the body mm-hmm. and how the body can operate at maximum performance, not just merely from an, an objective or accomplishment standpoint, but how the body through engagement through health, et cetera. Yeah, there's three parts of our brain that are really, really crucial to us being able to do our most rational thinking. Um, The amygdala 
and it holds all of our really big emotions. So when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling frustrated, when we're feeling overwhelmed, and it is supposed to protect our hippocampus and our hippocampus is the place where our memory is stored. And when our amygdala is covering our hippocampus, this part of the brain that sits right behind our eyebrows called the prefrontal cortex is safely folded over both of those things so that we can do our most rational thinking so that we can navigate conflict well. But what happens is, is when we're feeling big emotions and we're feeling like we're not safe, that amygdala comes out from where it's supposed to be and we're not able to think rationally at all. And we have to have ways and environments in which we feel safe for that amygdala to go back over the hippocampus and for the prefrontal cortex to come back over the top over all of that for us to feel safe. And that's when we can do our best thinking when we can learn effectively, and when we can operate within whatever environment we're in. And so, yes, there's definitely science behind it. And for some people, it takes that, right? It takes them understanding that it's not just what I like to call Skittles and rainbows, but like there's hard concrete science behind being able to keep your emotions where they need to be so that you can think clearly. And so what are we doing to help people think clearly? Can you explain again briefly the difference between the hippocampus and, did I say that right, hippocampus? Yeah, the hippocampus and the amygdala. I wish I could show you my hand right now because it's using the hand model of the brain. But if you were to hold your hand up and you were to point to the bottom of your palm, that's what's considered the brainstem. And the brainstem is where you do all of your unconscious thinking. So that's where like breathing and your heartbeat happens. If you were to come up your thumb to the nail bed of your thumb, that represents the amygdala. And the amygdala is where all of your big emotions live. A lot of people refer to that as the fight, flight, or freeze response. And when that fight, flight, and freeze response is folded over the hippocampus, so like right now, my thumb is over my palm and the rest of my four fingers are standing straight up. When your amygdala is folded over your hippocampus, you're able to be engaged in effective reactions to those flight, flight, or freeze emotions. Now, if you bring those four fingers that you still have standing up over your thumb and your palm, that represents your prefrontal cortex. And when all of that is together, and like right now I have a fist When all of that is together, you're able to do your best and most rational thinking. But what happens, Sam, is when those fight, flight, or freeze responses become too overwhelming or become too much, that prefrontal cortex pops up, kind of like a lid. Some people call it flipping your lid. Your amygdala comes out from where it's supposed to be, and you're not able to think rationally. Yeah, this is really good. I mean, I've done some study on this, and I've also done some personal work on it. I'm able to just understand everything that you're sharing because not to the extent that you do, but when we can re-enter those memories or those experiences or that those painful seasons or trauma, as you've said, and then we can have clarity and wisdom and understand those situations and we can like expose them, which I, from what I understood, that was the hippocampus. Mm-hmm. then we're able to challenge the frameworks that we have. And then we're able to address the behavior that we have where we act out 
in a situation because of a negative experience or a traumatic experience in the past. And then we can relearn how to think more wisely. And also, as we continue to grow and learn and develop, then we're not always just reacting out of a place that we did in formative years through trauma. Yeah. And we're able to begin to feel and know like what happens right before we feel triggered or what happens right after we've been triggered, like what makes us irritable, what makes us anxious. And when we are able to know those things, like you said, like we're able to do something about it and actively do something about it. Not that it's going to stop happening. It may never stop happening, but our response and our reaction to it happening, that's what changes. Yeah. And so to apply all this to everything that we've talked about with education, the less stable the environment is for any child going through or the less stable the educational experience is for the administrator or the more difficult the environment is or experience, et cetera, it's going to continue to create more and more traumatic experiences in the hippocampus for the individual, for the student. And then that can lead to drug addiction, crime, acting out, all the behavior results that society in a lot of ways condemns, criticizes, but to continue to operate in a way that only addresses behavior off of merit, it doesn't get to the root cause of the issue, which from what I understand from your work, that's why you're so passionate about what you do on trying to get to the root cause to create true transformation and reform and progress for students and educators. Yeah, that's absolutely right. There's so much beyond the surface of what you can see and to judge what you see and to take that at face value would be a misstep and a mistake but really digging deep to see what's going on, what has happened, what's contributing to the environment, what's contributing to the behaviors that you're seeing from a child, what's contributing to a teacher feeling like they can't perform the way that they want to, or they can't provide for their students the way that they want to, like getting to the root causes of these issues, barriers, and challenges I think would change a lot for us. And there are people throughout our city, and I want to make sure that I highlight this. There are people all across our city that are doing this work every single day and doing a phenomenal job with it, that are trying innovative things, that are changing, that are challenging the system. There are parts of the system, Sam, that work really well, and there are parts of the system that don't. I don't want us to get caught in a place where we think that everything is broken because it's not. There's a lot of good in our neighborhoods, regardless of zip code. There's a lot of hope in our neighborhoods, regardless of zip code. There is a lot of potential and promise that are coming out of our neighborhoods, uh, regardless of zip code. But in order for that to continue to happen and in order for us to be able to see that flourish even more, we've got to pause. We've got to see what's going on around us and we have to choose to do some things differently and really invest in our educators, invest in our students. And I'm not speaking just monetarily, but with our time, um, with our thoughts, with our resources that we have access to. We may never get all of the resources that we want in schools, but we have access to people. Um, And so how can we leverage the people that we know, their talents and their giftings to see change? And I am incredibly hopeful that that will be the line of thinking that we engage in and that we're not afraid of. 
That is wonderful. Just talking with you, learning so much about this and really kind of breaking it down and understand kind of your training, your interest, your personal experience with it, but then also really look at pinpointing and rebuilding the foundation where it needs to be built to create the most amount of impact for every society, every area, um, education across the board. Yeah, I really enjoyed our time. And, you know, conversations like this, I feel like they go a little bit of everywhere. But I'm always hopeful that there are what I like to call golden nuggets that are left behind and that whatever people needed from the conversation, they can pick up their nugget and that it'll be meaningful to them and they can do something with it. So I hope as people listen that there's something that was said along the way by myself or by you um, that feels like a nugget that they can hold on to and do something with. I think there are. And uh, I think that's well said. And I, I think that's the case here. All right, Larissa, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a review. Also, I have a weekly newsletter that comes out each week with the new episode, show notes, and more. You can sign up for this newsletter at podcast.sampcoats.com. Have a great day.